Hi, I'm Carrie Butler, and you're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. I have a special offer for my listeners. You can get my new course at carriebutlercoach.com slash broadwaypodcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Once I played a penny who just couldn't stop the beat. Yes, with roller skates on her feet. Cause it's recently to see a real cool mom, musical version of Tina Fey. Tina Fey, now come with me and fly. I am your host, Miss Carrie Butler. Together, you and I are breaking. Welcome back to Breaking Broadway. It's me, Carrie Butler. I am super excited for our next guest in our director series. I have someone who I actually haven't worked with before because I'm old and I thought it would be good to have someone with a fresh take on the industry, um, someone who has a lot of buzz around them. We have Sammy Cannold with us and Sammy was one of the 30 under 30 in Forbes Hollywood and entertainment list. Um, she was also, she's directed Evita at the New York Center stage. She directed a new documentary, The Show Must Go On, about the survival of the theater during the pandemic. It premiered at Broadway's Majestic Theater and was the associate resident director of Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 on Broadway, among many other things. But those are the highlights. Sammy, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And by the way, you are not old. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) Um, So we usually like to find out about people's journey on the show and how did you um, come to become a director? Was it something you always dreamed about as a little kid? Did you go to school for it? 
I, I do fall into that camp of, of dreaming about it as a, as a little kid. I was very fortunate to be born um, into a sort of theater, film, TV family. Uh, my dad produces film and TV and my mom produces uh, theater and directs film. Um, and so I was always around it growing up. It was what we talked about at the dinner table. It was like everything that I knew was theater, theater, theater. Um, and so my parents uh, tell me that like when I was a little kid, um, I would uh, put on little shows on the bathroom counter with um, like uh, little shampoo bottles that they'd gotten at uh, hotels <laughs> and things. It was like very much ingrained in me. Um, and and I knew what, what I, I was very lucky to know what being a director was because I would spend a lot of time with my mom at work. So I would see directors at their craft um, and uh, understood very early that it was something that I wanted to do. So um, I had a few little detours, but otherwise it was sort of always the, the track I was headed on. And, um, I did, uh, study theater in school, um, with a concentration in directing. Um, and oh. then, uh, what school did you go to? I went to Stanford for college. Um, oh, amazing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really not, uh, you know, when people say, where did you go to study directing? It's, it's usually not like in the top uh, 10 <laughs> places that, that you talk about. But um, what was amazing about it was that um, they have a really robust um, student theater scene and the department, the theater department there gives students a lot of opportunities to make things. So um, mm. we had a 1700 seat proscenium theater that I just got to direct musicals in. And um Wow. To, yeah, it was it was wild. And to get to play in a space um, like that and with resources like the resources that Stanford has, um, it was really, uh, I, I felt very lucky. Um, so I'm grateful. And did they help you when you get, well, you already had opportunity because your parents probably, but does Stanford help people like who want to be directors when you get out? Yeah, I think that's, you know, it's something that I'm very... I've been very passionate about since since leaving Stanford, uh, partly because um, because it's on the West Coast. Um, uh, it sort of is often like a huge thing for Stanford students to decide that they want to take the leap and go into theater in in New York specifically. Um, and there there aren't a ton of alumni who have done that. So um, sort of building up that community and making sure that current students know that there that there is like a path. Um, is something that um, I'm really passionate about. Great. Um, okay, so let's, this podcast, as you know, is uh, for a lot of people who are just starting out. So I would love to know what you look for it, when you're having auditions. Oh, um, I love thinking about this um, because I think <laughs> that... Um, to me, every director is uh, different in what they're yes. looking for. And I think that um, what I'm starting to learn about myself is that what I'm looking for are people who are so uniquely and specifically themselves um, mm. in some like special way. And I feel like that can perhaps sound cliche or like, um, you know, <laughs> whatever. But I, I, I think that like when I think about the casting decisions that I've made or that I've witnessed that have worked out really well, they are people who are so unique that you can't say there's anybody else like that person. Right. Um, and so 
that's not to say that like uh, lots of people walk around like other people, but just that, that someone's performance of a role is so singularly theirs um, is something that I, I think a lot about. And I guess for actors, perhaps that's like not the most um, actionable guidance because well, no, we, do, we talk about that a lot on the show. We say, find out what makes you special, mm-hmm. what makes you stand out. And then don't be many times. That's the thing that we're afraid of. Right. Right. <laughs> because right. we, we want to blend in, but we always talk about on the show, like find the thing that makes you unique. So for me, it was like, you know, being nerdy mm. <laughs> and some wouldn't, you know, want to spread to the world. But once I <laughs> tapped into that, then it's like I found my footing. Right. And so it's like, find the thing that makes you stand out, that makes you different. And a lot of times it's the things that you're afraid of about yourself. Uh, absolutely. And I, and I think that, I mean, I, I feel like you're such a beautiful example of that, right? Because if you muted what what made you you, I feel like so many of your iconic performances wouldn't wouldn't be iconic in the way that they are because they are so uniquely and specifically you. So I, I think... Yeah, but everybody has to go on that journey for themselves, right? Like, I, I, I feel like I can't tell an actor what makes them Absolutely. special until they show yes. me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what are some mistakes you see people make in the room? Hmm. Um, uh, overthinking. <laughs> um, yeah. I see that a lot. Uh, and I think... And I particularly, I mean, particularly overthinking in terms of overthinking the, the, um, uh, interplay between who's behind the table and, and who's on the other side of the table, like less overthinking the the performance and more thinking like they need to say something really clever or (laughs) there needs to be some like really meaningful exchange. Or, I mean, I, I find this one really funny. Um, and I don't mean this in a, in a, pejorative way because everybody's out there doing their best but when people come in and they're like oh my god I know so and so that you worked with and it's like yeah the community is super small like we all know each other <laughs> like right. um, <laughs> I mean it's yeah. like and I don't I don't ever like dock anybody points for saying that obviously right. <laughs> but it, I just find it really funny because I'm like well I, I know you're trying to like make a connection but yes. in this case it's just sort of like don't, don't, tr- you don't have to try so hard. Like I know we know a lot yeah. of people. I can look at your resume and, 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 you know, and know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think makes someone stand out in the room besides what you kind of mentioned before? Is there anything else? Hmm. Um, I hate to say this because it is something that really bothers me about the process and something that I'm like conflicted about, but honestly, like preparation, um, yes. like if it's in the bones of the person auditioning, you can tell, like if, 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 if it feels comfortable for them, it really makes a huge difference. But again, like I try to sort of on my end, re- like calibrate for that because so often I know people are getting sides like, you know, 12 hours the day before, before or something yes. crazy. Yeah. yeah. So we don't always have that, that luxury, but I will say that like when, when someone comes in and it is like second nature for them, you're, behind the table, your brain automatically can like sort of see them in the role because they aren't holding a piece of paper or, or you know, something like that. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. And that's what I always tell like my students and everything too. I'm just like the way to get over nerves too, is to just over prepare. 
Yeah. Because, because then it's like, if you're in the room or on stage and you're second guessing, like, am I going to remember the line? Like that should be the least of your concern. Exactly. But again, yeah. a lot but. of times we will get 30 pages the night before. And so there's just no way. I always, I always hold my pages because I like to like remind the people behind the table that it's an audition. That's smart. Oh, that, that makes a ton of sense. Like yeah. subconsciously, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, set, set clear expectations for, for, for what they're seeing. Yeah. That's yeah. Nice. Yeah. What do you feel about, um, songs when you ask people to, you know, pick a song for auditions? Do you like well-known songs or more obscure? How do you even feel about like overdone songs? Like if somebody came in and sang something like Defying Gravity? Hmm. I think that like, if you're, if, if, people are going to do Defying Gravity or, or those songs that are like done a ton. It's always, what is that? Mm-hmm. The, um, like Meadowlark or like, um, yes. uh, the, um, uh, uh, they have to have like a really incredible version. Like the, and yeah, cause I think that if you do a song that's done a lot and then it's just sort of fine, it doesn't teach me me anything right like if if, right. if if there's a rendition of something that is like so uniquely and specifically that actors that that teaches me a, a lot more I think than hearing a version of divine gravity that sounds a lot like one I've heard and feels a lot like what I've heard before so mm-hmm. I, I I guess personally I would sort of err away from overdone songs and I also think that like if like be, for example I was the associate, as you said, on, on, on Great Comet and, um, no one else, Natasha's song is like a really common audition song. Yes. Yes. Um, and now whenever I hear it, I cannot actually evaluate it. If I'm on another project, like I can't evaluate it with a blank slate because I spent years in a room listening to that song, evaluating it for that role. So right. it's hard to sort of, I, I think you also have to consider who's behind the table and like what they've worked on, because if, if it's a, a show that they worked on or it's something that they have a relationship to, chances are they're going to have really specific feelings about how it's performed. Oh, um, that is such a good point. Yeah. So yeah, no one's ever said that, but that's so smart. Think about who you're auditioning for. And so you, because you, you've worked on that song so long, you kind of have a way how you think it should be done. Absolutely. And, and also you have like, you, you start, um, having shortcuts in your brain for it, which is kind of terrible, but like there are it, in a song, like no one else or, or, you know, Sonia alone or anything from Avita or anything that I've like worked on a lot. Um, the, you know, the note that like, if someone can hit that note, the rest of the song is going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, it's, it's, it becomes really formulaic in sort of a, a sad way. So I, I, I don't love when um, that happens, but I, I don't, I don't fault people for it, obviously, but it, it, I have to do a lot of mental math to like take my personal history out of it. Yeah. And how do you feel about obscure songs? I I'm totally for them. Um, mm-hmm. It like wakes you up a little bit. Like, oh, yeah. I haven't heard this before. Especially when people find those gem songs. I'm trying to think what that, um, I've heard it so many times. I should know the name of it by now, but the, but the one where it's um, 
the girl in uh, 14G. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, th- I think about it a lot because it it's such a strategic audition song because it covers so many genres, like because then the neighbor sings opera and then the neighbor sings something, you know, so like you, you get to see the range of, of a person. And I think like, if people find audition songs like that, that sort of show range, um, Mm. those are really strategic, I think. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, you mentioned how all directors are different and how directors are looking for different things in the room. And I think it's so important just to remind our listeners of that, like, how you can't, there's no way you can know what this particular director is looking for in the room. So all you can be is like the best you you can be mm-hmm. and just kind of get that out of your head because you could do the same audition for two different directors and one could love you and the other one could think you're terrible, right? Absolutely. And and honestly, like it, it uh, there are so many case studies in that, like even I mean, I'm actually often in the room with other directors in the sense that like I work with choreographers who are directors or um, as an associate, I would be in the room with directors that I worked for or my associate is in the room with me. And so often our opinions are all different. <laughs> so like it just goes to show it's it's not about you. It's about what's in the director's head and what yeah. fit, fit their envisioning. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. So along with that, all directors kind of, I've noticed, have different processes in creating new shows or working on shows. Um, What is your process like? Like, do you do the table work or do you go straight to blocking? I am, uh, I'm I'm learning about myself that I am quite physical in the sense that, I don't spend a lot of time at the table. I prefer to like figure out uh, depth of text, like while um, staging, because mm-hmm. uh, I think it sort of comes out in 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 repetition. Not to say that we don't like talk about the scene before, right? Staging it or like you know, I, I usually like read it through once, but then we get on our feet right after. Um, and I I pre block everything um, and. Uh, always come into the room with a plan, um, mm-hmm. but often abandon the plan. Um, but it is like a way for me to feel like there's somewhere for us to start. And then, yeah. you know, we can build and work from there and uh, actor ideas or, you know, choreographer ideas or whatever, you know, like it, we sort of all build on each other from there. But I, I've, um, I've tried a few times to go into the room without prep and I feel very lost. 
Um, yes. I was going to say it helps you not feel lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that's, but, but I know plenty of directors who come in and are like, I don't know what the scene looks like. Let's figure it out. (laughs) I know. I know. That's the interesting thing. It really is a completely different room and a different process depending on the director. Yeah. Do you have any pet peeves about like that, that process, that rehearsal time? I think you know pretty quickly when you're working with an actor, whether or not they're like a yes and person or a, yeah. no person. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that like, there are definitely a few actors that I've worked with and, and the majority of actors are not this way, but definitely a few who the sort of default is like, um, skepticism towards what they're being given. Um, uh-huh. rather than, okay, um, I'm going to try what you just asked me to do. Um, and we'll see how it works or like, okay, I'm going to try what you asked me to do. And I have this idea of like what I could add on to it or like, I'm going to try this, but I have this question about it. But there, there are a few actors, um, who sort of come into the room with a, a a push pull to it already. And I find that very challenging. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's great advice. Yes. And And I think part of it also, like, I mean, for actors to think about, part of it is also, like, um, the politics of who your director is. Like, I think that happens more to me. Um, I I actually was thinking that without (laughs) saying it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, You know. A young young female director who is this kid telling me what to do. I, I could see it. I could see that. Yeah. And, and so it, it conversely, it means a lot you know, particularly when, when very seasoned actors come into the room and are like, I'm here, I trust you. What do you want? Like, you know, um, not to say that I like need everybody to think all my ideas are great, but I do need people to like, at least open to getting on board. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I think, and not to turn this into any kind of like political thing, but I do think women have a harder time in our industry Mm -hmm. in general. I agree. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) that's why I'm trying to bring a lot of female directors on my show too because um I'm hoping I do see I do see somewhat of a change and I hope I mean the statistics are like crazy aren't they do you know what they are like awful it's like (laughs) it's it's pretty insane really depressing it's um uh I think I mean the last two years who uh, don't measure anything but yeah you can't count uh, that, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but prior to that I think th- the last season was um 13 percent of Broadway musicals were directed by women um and it, it's usually lower than that um yeah yeah so you know yeah <laughs> not great <laughs> <laughs> um what about how do you feel about people? It's kind of a kind of attack onto that last question. Um, asking questions in the room, like, is there time for questions, or is it like open to any time? I I think absolutely. I think it's um, about knowing. It's really about reading the room to me, like as an actor. Yeah. Because um, on most processes, you'll have that one actor who's like the question actor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and I love them dearly. Um, uh, and if it's a luxurious process, that's like totally welcome and okay. Um, mm-hmm. but for example, like I've done a lot of processes that are like very, very fast, like the, um, city center encore processes. And like, if you're a question actor, that process is not for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you have to answer your own questions. Yeah, uh, do your homework. And, yeah. and, and then like ask Make a few, work. you know, um, yes. important questions. But, um, and I think also it's like, you know, I, um, I learned this thing from working for Diane Paulus where she um, <gasps> used to. I've always wanted to work with her. She, she, she used to do this thing. I don't know if she still does it, but, um, where, uh, she would on the like first day of rehearsal, give everybody in the company an assignment to do a presentation on who their character is. And there were like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. It it was, it's great. And there's like a, there's a worksheet that you get that basically tells you what you need to include in your presentation. (gasps) That's so fun. It, it, it was super fun. I mean, like the, and, and really what that did in my opinion, and I, I've, I've stolen it and done that on a lot of my processes is gives the ensemble an opportunity to like flesh out who they are, because right. I think that like, that's actually where the questions get tricky, right? Because there is time built in to like have a lot of question time with your lead but a lot of the ensemble character development is sort of left to them yes Um, and I think that like that exercise really helped a lot of people to actually like answer a lot of their questions up front so that they knew who they were um and then could sort of build from there oh I love that so would they actually present what they prepared yeah so basically it was like on Monday we would get this worksheet and then on like Friday of the first week, everybody would give a, a presentation. Um, and it was fun. I mean, it's like good bonding. It's, it's like yeah. everybody gets to show their creativity. I mean, I just remember some of these presentations, people went all out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I bet. Yeah. They're like, this is my chance to shine. <laughs> Completely. I mean, I still remember, like I, I, I worked on Finding Neverland and I will never, ever forget like Thane Jasperson was playing the dog and <laughs> for his presentation, we were in like new 42. Um, and if you're listening and you don't know it, it has these like big windows that look out on 42nd street. And, um, he did this presentation where he went out onto 42nd street with his phone and gave um, and, and called the stage manager in the studio and the stage manager put him on speaker and he got on hands and knees and was <gasps> like crawling around 42nd street as a dog whilst <laughs> 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 on speakerphone with the whole company. And it was like, but, but actually it was like, we learned a lot about his character. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, stuff wow. like that. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Um, and you guys, if you don't have a director that, you know, does that fun exercise, that is something you should do on your own. Like mm. before my, before I start shows, I usually write like a 30 page biography on my characters and their relationship yeah. to all the people that, you know, that are in the show with them and their childhood, all that stuff, just, you know, to flesh it out. That's amazing. Well, 
<laughs> well, you know, I mean, you don't see that stuff on stage, but it makes a big difference to who you are uh, as an actor. And I don't know, I think like tiny moments then will suddenly come to life because of what you did in your backstory. Right, right. Um, so agree. since you are young and uh, fresh, <laughs> I am wondering if you have any unconventional ways that you think people can make it now are the things that I wouldn't know about. I'm sure. Um, although it's hard with the pandemic, yeah. but, um, what do you see as like good ways for people to break into the business? Um, I think, I would say sort of generally it's about finding your niche, whatever that means for you. Um, mm-hmm. Like where I got lucky was that uh, I found the niche of site-specific musical theater. Um, and like the first few things that I did were um, site-specific musicals in a moment where there weren't many. What is, what does that mean? Site-specific musicals. So like the very first thing I, um, directed in New York was a concert version of Ragtime that was, um, set on Ellis Island. Um, and (sighs) so it was sort of, um, embracing the, that, that site as like the, the, um, and you know, um, and then the, the, Uh, this wasn't in New York, but, but the second sort of professional thing that I did was, um, a production of Violet that was set on a moving bus because that show is, takes place on a bus, but is usually performed on a stage. But I I did a production of it that was, that was, um, on a bus. Oh my God. I love that. That's so exciting. Thank you. (laughs) I love when, I love when, um, shows are done in like completely different and inventful ways. It, it was, I mean, both projects were such a gift and, um, I think they each in their own way sort of allowed me to quote unquote break in because, um, they, they were, they filled a niche that wasn't at that moment being filled. And so got a lot of attention and then it sort of allowed me to have conversations about what I wanted to do next. Um, and, uh, so I, I think I got really lucky there. But when I think about like actors who, you know, break in or whatever, it's, it's usually because they find that niche role that is like so specifically them. Um, and then they just sort of, you know, blow up from there. Um, but, uh, are there any like, um, new theater companies that you love that, you know, we might not know about because they're so small or, um, regional theaters or, you know, um, like Williamstown kind of places like that. Yeah. Where you I might find people, you know, one of the other ways in which I, I got very lucky is that I, um, I went to, uh, Harvard for grad school and the ART, which is on Harvard's campus, um, obviously, you know, um, in, in the Broadway community, we know, uh, their work from all the things that have, um, you know, transferred for t- to New York, like, you know, Waitress and Pippin and Porgy mm-hmm. Bess and, mm-hmm. and Great Comet, all of them. Um, but I think one of the things that isn't talked about as much is that there's this like incredible um, internship program that um, is mostly for Harvard students, but every year there are a few black sheep like me um, who uh, like, 
in that internship program, you work on those, those productions um, that in many cases are uh, Broadway bound. And so you are working with, um, you know, incredible professionals at the top of their game and uh, getting to learn from them. And then oftentimes what happens is when the show moves to New York um, or London or wherever it's going, uh, there are opportunities for those student interns to uh, go with the show. Um, and that was what uh, happened to me on a number of productions. Um, and I'm very grateful for it because it sort of allowed me to take what I was learning in an academic setting and, and sort of move it into a, into a professional one. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, you have been an amazing guest. Thank <laughs> you so much for being on the show. Really insightful. Uh, is there anything that you want to plug? <laughs> oh, um, Sure. I, I know you've been doing a bunch of workshops and stuff with some of my friends. Like I've heard about, I've heard buzz about like the show Joy and um, a few other things. I've I've heard your name thrown around. Oh, thanks. Um, uh, yeah, I've <laughs> I've uh, I've gotten to do a lot of uh, workshops this fall, which was really I'm especially grateful for, given it's been quite a while since any of us have done <laughs> anything. Yes. Um, uh, but I guess the, the thing I will, I will plug if anybody listening to this is on the West coast, um, is, uh, I am, uh, uh, about to head to Los Angeles to direct, um, a new play called the excavation of Mary Anning, uh, which will be at, uh, the Wallace, uh, in Beverly Hills and, um, open in late February. So, um, if you're around there, please come see it. Amazing. Thank you. And um, I hope I get to work with you one day. <laughs> oh my gosh, I would be so honored. <laughs> what a dream. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Sammy. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast and want more episodes, please take a second to rate it. Check out my website, Carrie Butler Coach, for more info on private coaching and teaching at schools. You can follow me on Instagram, Carrie Butler One, and visit bpn.fm slash Breaking Broadway for all ways to listen, follow, subscribe, hear past episodes of Breaking Broadway, and find out more information. Together you and I are Breaking Broadway. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.